Hola, Jumbo Ekabo. Welcome to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This podcast was created to be what the next immigrant needs to thrive and what we need as an immigrant community. In this podcast, we talk about attaining financial independence, living full lives in the new countries we call home, and we'll do all that while talking about topics that pertain to the immigrant community all over the world. We'll do that with grace, with truth, with love, and yes, with great background music. So please, dance into every podcast episode with me. I'm Diola Teru, and I'm your host. Welcome. Hello, hello, and happy spring, guys. Welcome back to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This is the very last episode of season two of the podcast. And thank you for your patience while I figured this out. I am coming to you from the state of Texas. I am recording from a closet in my sister's um, um, guest bedroom. Um, so I'm spending time with family after not seeing anyone in my family for um, the past 15 months due to COVID. Um, so I'm happy to be here spending time with family, hanging out with my niece, um, and working remotely is really what I'm doing. And so, um, yes, wanted to come back and give you this bonus episode that I promised to, to bring to you. So first, the thing about this episode is this. I, when I talked to my friend Korma and Johnny back in November, which you guys saw, we talked about their story on how they paid off their debts and how they both lost their jobs during the pandemic. Towards the end of the conversation, we got to talking about how Korma started her business. She works as a business analyst 9 to 5, and she founded Afro Contigo um, on the side, and she's done that for a number of years. And so it really wasn't part of our plan, and so I kept that part of the conversation because I wasn't quite sure where it would fit in. But then I asked you guys to send in some Q&A, and one of the questions was about starting a business as an immigrant. Um, and it made me realize that, well, I have something um, that kind of touches on the topic. And so that was not the focus of the conversation. So please keep that in mind. But I thought it would be good to, 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 to now share that episode with you or with anyone that may be listening and maybe thinking about starting something. And one other thing that it's done for me, though, is that I think from season four of the podcast, I will make an effort to have different immigrant entrepreneurs on the podcast because I know there are different, different types, types, types of entrepreneurs. There are freelancers, people that own their own businesses. I mean, they own like corporate businesses. There are people that own that are in the arts like Korma is, um, people that are building even bigger com- bigger companies at different levels of scale. And I, and, I, and I also want to challenge the narrative that your company has to be fortune, you know, 500 to be successful. It doesn't have to be. And different entrepreneurs have different visions and have different um, dreams and have different interpretations of what impact is to them through their business. And so I'd like to bring those people on the podcast and talk about their journeys as immigrant entrepreneurs. And so with that, I'll introduce, I've, I've kind of introduced this episode. I'll have you listening on the conversation that Korma and I had that I really didn't know that I was ever going to put out there. Um, but I hope that, you know, this helps somebody that's thinking about starting starting a side business or a full business as an immigrant. Um, Korma was an accidental entrepreneur. And as you can tell, she really loves what she does and she would love to do it, you know, for the rest of her life if she can. And so I hope that you listen to, you know, how she went from how she turned her passion into a profitable business, 
um, knowing Karma and being a part of her business or since you know, we literally started this and she started this in college as a passion project. And now she's doing it and been recognized by Vimeo and in the Minneapolis community in for culture and arts. And that's just amazing to watch and see it literally grow from something that we literally did in our college apartment. Um, so I'll say, you know, don't look down on your dream. Don't look down on that burden or that thing that's on your heart. And we'll, if you listen to our conversation, you hear about how she identify the need and just set out to to feel that need and so let's listen to the conversation and then please stay on at the end because i'll talk about what to expect next on the podcast as we wait on season three to come back in about a month so please don't just stop hit and play after the interview drum roll please let's go and with that we'll pick up the conversation with korma about starting a business as an immigrant thank you <laughs> That's awesome. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> snap, snap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Korma, um, you you talked about dancing a little bit. So I know you've enjoyed dancing and sharing the Nigerian culture through dance. Um, mm-hmm. I know since I've met you in college in 2002, <laughs> uh, since I met you in college, mm-hmm. you know, you, you started by recruiting your, your first, your roommates, which is me and your sister <laughs> and some other people. Mm-hmm. And then you went ahead to recruit, you know, the other West African females <laughs> on our small Winona State University campus to perform with you. Mm-hmm. And then at some point post-college, mm-hmm. you decided to start something. Yes. Can you tell us about your, and, and I asked this question, you know, just in the context of, you know, the rich immigrant and, and the rich immigrant is about more than just being financially um, um, uh, positioned and attaining financial freedom. It's about immigrants moving to new countries, but still being able to live a full, rich lives, to be engaged in the communities that they're in, but to also um, maintain their identities, right? right. And be contributors to, to whatever countries they call home, however many countries those are. Mm-hmm. And so can you tell me about the origin of your desire to do this here mm-hmm. in America and what it has evolved into today? Absolutely. Yeah, no, thanks for asking that question. It's a good one. So we have, you know, in college, we I think we were probably less than 10 West Africans in there. Um, and I, believe it or not, growing up in Nigeria, I was not a very social person. I was not an extrovert. Think. I know. It's kind of surprising, <laughs> right? But um, I don't mind. I like to be around people, but I'm not someone that would take a stage. That would be the center of attention, you know? Except I find a need. If I see that something is absolutely missing, and there is nobody doing that that I can support. Because if somebody's doing it already, I can just tag myself on and see how much I can help, right? But I realized very quickly at our college that um, we didn't have uh, some kind of, I guess, room to just be ourselves, you know, the West Africans. We needed time and space where we were not studying in the library or having lunch at the lunchroom or anything like that. But we were gathering just to have a good time, but I guess it made sense to give it a purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. So so then I remember very vividly talking to the director of the International Students and saying, hey, we could actually, you know, we do this thing where we'll meet up with American students and try to teach our culture. Um, but instead of putting a whole presentation together and talking and all of us don't like that, um, mm-hmm. we could put together a, a performance, a show, and maybe that will count towards, you know, our sharing of our culture. And she because loved it. 
idea. Because we did that to get to pay in-state tuition. We exactly. had to do certain cultural things to pay in-state tuition. Exactly. Yeah. So so if you do those um, cultural things, you know, you can get that in-state tuition. Um, but I think it was a good idea that we were able to to dance and come together and, you know, learn about each other. Because even during that time of us coming together, other West Africans, we got to learn a lot about each other, you know, yeah. different cultures, different dance styles. We're bringing together. And I think the directors of the International Students uh, Committee or whatever they're called, right, um, they saw that as beneficial. And you, you, you can learn about other people by just socializing with them. You don't have to sit in a classroom and watch a presentation. You know, so um, so that worked out pretty well. I loved it. Then we graduated and everybody went their different ways, you know, trying to survive in America, the land of milk and honey. Um, but then I realized that I didn't I missed that. You know, I missed that community, that togetherness. Um, and I was trying to figure out how I can recreate that outside of college. It's very easy in college because everybody is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of college, you have to kind of figure out who you want in your space, when, how, where, you know. And I was just very fortunate that I met uh, a salsa dance instructor and he had a studio. So I told him what we used to do in college. And he said, that's amazing. You should do the same thing here. Just rent a studio. And I said, I don't know anybody. And I don't know if I qualify to rent a studio because I had no idea. And he was like, what do you mean qualify? Of course you qualify. Everybody qualifies. You just rent it by the hour. So that was like eye-opening, right? Because a lot of people like myself are sitting there thinking, I want to do this, but I have no idea how to start. I don't know if it's accessible to me, you know? But you don't, what you don't know, you don't know until I think you talk to people. Again, communication. If you just keep talking about your passion, anywhere I went, I would tell everybody, I'm a dancer. I do this, I do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. What have you done? And maybe at the time there was not a lot of social media, so you have to talk a lot because you can't show them what you do. And out of all that talking, you know, I started to have a space and I invited D, that's you, <laughs> and my sister, the same people that I used to dance with in college that were in town, Muzi, and we would come together into one space and just try to recreate the same things we did, you know, in college. Um, and that's kind of how it grew organically. More people started to show interest and come in. And then I figured, okay, this has got to be a business, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put, you know, I pretty much Googled. Then Google came about, you know, and I Googled how to start a business in Minnesota. At the time, I was not American, so it was kind of tricky. But I was able to register the business um, and just continue to operate. I wasn't making enough income for it to be an issue. Um, but it was pretty much a great thing that started happening. The studio owner was interested in Lennon Dance. So she traded her uh, studio oh. for her to be able to learn dance. So I wasn't paying a lot in um, studio fees, but I had yeah. the space. So that allowed me to be more creative with everything else. And honestly, the biggest thing is accessibility. Once you know that you can access different things, um, I think that people should just go for it. You know, fear is a bad, bad thing. So if you're if you're scared of something, um, I think you should do it anyways and see what happens. Uh, not all fear. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So 
yeah there's so many there's so much potential that people have but our fear keeps us from, yes. from doing it so yes. i yeah you're right so not everything because fear is a good thing sometimes stop you from hurting yes. yourself you know uh, yeah uh and, and that's me the butterfly talking right mm-hmm. but i think that for example like i started just hosting and doing mc business right and i had no idea that i could do that until somebody yeah. somebody told me like Korma, i think you can host the little africa show and i was like why do you think that because i can't <laughs> And he said, no, I think you can. You host classes all the time. I've seen you do a dance at, at, at the Mall of America. And I was like, I was dancing. That's different, you know? But he believed in me. And so I had to take that and think about it. And I said, okay, why can I not do this? And in my head, it was nothing. It was just fear of being embarrassed. Fear of, like, not pleasing everybody. Fear of this, fear of that. That was all it was. I wasn't going to die. If I, if I did it, you know, yeah. so I just yeah. said, okay, we're just going to do it and see what happens. And so we did the, the Little Africa event and that worked out. Somebody saw a video, called me for a different event. And mm-hmm. I have to make, I have to always tell them I am not a professional <laughs> MC. I think you need to stop telling them that you right? are an MC. You are an MC. <laughs> you know, you're new in the business, but you're an MC. I have to reduce the expectations. <laughs> Gorma. I feel I feel like we need to have a separate talk outside. Right, but. Right. but but yeah, so anyways, so there it is, right? I think that even if you're afraid, if it's something you're passionate about, you're doing yourself an injustice, not pursuing okay. it, regardless yeah. of your fear. You have to try. Then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You try something else. All right. right. I hear a few themes what you've said here. So I want to summarize in case anyone missed it. I think right. you know, you started from a problem you recognized, right? Way back in college, right? You were missing a community. There wasn't anything established that solved that need that you identified, right? Absolutely. And I think many times, and I can I read something along those lines in a book that it resonated with me a lot, mm-hmm. um, is that many times we, we say, oh, we have people that are part of this tribe and that tribe and that community. And sometimes we're positioned to feel isolated because perhaps we are planted to create the community. Mm-hmm. And so instead of looking at what other people have, can we stand and be the, be the solution provider? So I, I hear that you, you identified a need and then you created one and you created one around community, mm-hmm. getting the West Africans in Winona together, but solving a problem that still helped everybody get that institution that we needed. When, when? Talk, I know, right? <laughs> and then another, you didn't talk about this, but at some point you also started getting us some gigs where we would each get paid like $20 or something. I remember <laughs> yep. doing a gig outside like that. Of school, where, yep. <laughs> yeah, outside of school. Like she got us paid like 20 bucks, which at a time was a big deal. Oh, so yeah. yes, I signed up to dance and get paid 20 bucks. Um, and so you were also uplifting others that were broke college students as you went along. And then I think about when you talk about, you know, starting something, you know, after college, again, around the community. And when I see, when I think about Afro Contigo, I think about community. The people that are part of your program, they feel like they are part of something. It's not just dance and exercise. They're part of a community. They're part of learning about the Nigerian culture, the Igbo culture, and all the other cultures that you bring into what you do. And you continue to do that. But beyond that, you are a force in Minneapolis when it comes to, you know, the African culture, the Igbo culture. When When I think about African culture in Minneapolis, your name is mentioned in rooms. And so I think I want to, I want to say, you know, I want to highlight what can come from just moving even in fear or even moving to create or solve a solution that you see. 
And so you're not just a dancer or own a dance studio. Mm -hmm. You are a voice in the culture space, you know, in Minneapolis. And you're representing for the culture through and through. And that's why you're getting invited to Little Africa. That's why you're coming onto the stages because you've taken your dream and you've built a platform and a community and people are looking to get that connection through you. Yes, thank you. And people are still getting paid, D. So if you want a little side gig, (laughs) I mean, it's not too far from twenty dollars still, but we're still performing. Okay. 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 Also, like shows the power of consistency and yes, not giving up. And you know, if you fail, just keep going and find a way to change and you know adjust and keep going and going and going. And it's like it's hard and whatever. If you Mm -hmm. just don't quit, at some point, you know if you are able to learn from your mistakes and keep adapting, mm-hmm. then it will be, you know, mm-hmm. well, I guess whatever, what it, what it could, what be. it could be yeah. at the bare yeah. minimum. You're consistent. You get a medal for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause Afro Contigo started, when did it start officially? 2014, 2013? Yep. 2014. Right. And look at it now. It's six years in the making. Mm. It's a six years of overnight success in court. So it's I'm not happy. overnight. It's six years of consistency. It's yep. sometimes hosting classes where it's just you and your sister on some yep. Saturdays Absolutely. and not canceling your subscription because mm-hmm. of that. So I think we see the glory, but there's so much grit behind this. And I want to honor, you know, your grit and your consistency for six years. And that's what's got you, you know, here today. Thank and you. so we're looking to wrap this up now. What is your hope as an immigrant? What is your hope for the African Tibo platform? Ah, well, my hope for African Tibo platform is to get more people involved in either the dance fitness part or performing or just showing up and kicking it with us to grow that community, to promote wellness, togetherness across, you know, not just Africans. It's like a pan-African movement, but also just global because we're in Minnesota. So, you know, anybody can come through my doors, you know, right now it's just virtual doors, but, you know, the goal is for people to be aware that this is something that's happening it's a movement. You just come to one place to kick it and be happy and be well, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. And hopefully after this entire thing goes out and we're entirely debt-free and saved up a lot of money, we can own a space. Yes. Hey, yes. That, hey. <laughs> just give us a fist. Fist bump. <laughs> fist bump. I see, I see, I see it. All right. So we are at the end of the interview. And I want to thank you both so much for coming on and for being my first guest. I think you have a remarkable story, not just in your financial journey, but in your coming together as a couple, but also in how you um, engage, you know, with the community. I guess on, on, a, on a last note, one thing I'm, I'm starting to do on, on the podcast is just have people talk about what has been a rich immigrant. What does that mean to you? Being a rich immigrant to me, I guess, I guess this is for me, right, Johnny? Because you're not. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, your, your forefathers migrated. Yeah, he can talk about how he would see it too. Yeah, talk about that too. <laughs> um, to me, being a rich immigrant is knowing how to kind of maneuver the mm. the world in in which you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, so you just have to know what's going to work for you and what isn't, because sometimes mm-hmm. you come into a new space and you you hear fake news. You know, you hear that you cannot do this. You cannot do that. But in reality, mm-hmm. you can't. You just have to be smart mm-hmm. about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just falling into what the other immigrants did, you know, but like yeah. choices yeah. for yourself, hopefully learning from their mistakes yep. to do better. 
Um, and then having the freedom to do what you can with or without papers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you have, yeah. when you're an immigrant, there's, there's so many things that it seems like you cannot do because you don't mm-hmm. have papers. You feel like you're, you're uh, chained. You're bound, yeah. yeah. Bound. But if you do some more research, talk to some more people, you can still be incognito with your research. You don't have to be all out there, mm-hmm. you know? But there are things that you can do and you can reach out to people, different resources. You can even do it anonymously, right? To find out how can you do this? How can you get access to what it is you're trying to do? You know, um, and hopefully we're all going to be just fine. We're all going to make it in this America, wherever you are, you know, you're you're going to make it and you're not just going to be that immigrant that came here just to survive. You need to come here, survive, pass surviving, do something for yourself, for the generation that is coming after you. That's what it means to me. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And with that, um, Korma knocked it out the park with that definition of what it means to her to be a, a, a rich immigrant. And there's so many lessons in this conversation with Korma, really. Just so just so I, I would like to just summarize for anyone that's 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 been listening. Um, she talked about how you're doing yourself an injustice and not to try if it's on your mind to start a business as an as an immigrant. Um, we talked about how she recognized a problem, how she created a community that she needed we talked about pulling others along and uplifting others on the journey. She talked about what can come if you choose to continue to operate from a place of fear. Um, she talked about, you know, inviting people in to dance. Um, she talked about the power of consistency, right? It was, it, was, it was driven by passion in college. She fully started the business in 2014. I was in some of those classes. Some of those times it was two of us in the class. But every week he kept showing up. And now the business has been in existence now for over, over six years. In 2020, uh, during the middle of the pandemic, I watched how she learned how, to, how she decided to pivot in her business and take her dance and fitness classes online on Zoom and was recognized by Vimeo um, for her contribution to community, but also bringing people together in the middle of a pandemic. I love that she talked about sometimes we're stuck in our heads about things that we can or cannot do. And so if someone's listening here and is thinking about doing something, I hope that you at least take the first step. Um, and, and you may not know what's available to you, but ask questions. Go in the room, ask questions and find out. And you never, never really know what's on the other side. And so this is the end of season two of the podcast. I'm so excited. And thank you so much to new listeners that joined us this season. Um, I got so many more listeners after that Clever Girl Finance episode. And I'm so thankful to have you in this space. Um, season three is coming. It's hot. All of the episodes are are um are lined up and scheduled i have some great interviews coming up and now i have even greater ideas for season four so um please stay on this is here for you and if there are any episodes you'd like me to cover please send me a dm on instagram or send me an email at hello at the rich immigrant.com and i will i'm i'm here for you i'm here to listen to what you need it is your platform i'm just the vessel um and so with that i'm going to say you know hey happy spring it's officially spring here in the u.s so i hope you're doing well and enjoying better weather um you know, there's hope on the horizon for the end of the pandemic. And so I hope that when I come back, um, there'll be even more better news. And, and wherever you are in the world, I hope that um, things are things are getting better. Um, I'm personally excited about the opportunity to even think about going home. Um, after being with my family this last two weeks here in Texas, I, you know, I'm definitely, definitely 
thinking about wanting to go home to Nigeria in December. And so I hope that I'm able to do that and that it's safe to do that. And so with that, stay in touch with us on richimigrant.com. There'll be blog posts at least every other week. And then I'm on Instagram almost every day posting, sharing content in bite-sized you know, pieces that are easy to consume. Um, so please stay connected. If you're not signed up to the mailing list, please do so. I'll be doing an Instagram live series. I've been doing what I started one with my friend Kachi from the Up Women. And we talked about um, not leaving money on the table as a nine to fiver, as well as an as a as a content creator. I'm going to continue that series. And so please stay connected with us on Instagram in the meantime and on, on the blog. So see you in a month. Um, we're not going away for long, so I'll be right back. Um, take care. Cheers. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. Before you go, I'd like you to know that there will always be room for you at this table. And as I wrap this up, I'd like to ask for your help with a few things to help support and amplify the message of the podcast. First, please subscribe. Click the subscribe button and that way you're notified of new episodes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please write and review the podcast. That way you're signaling to Apple that the content here is, you know what, popping and you amplify our message to other potential listeners. And last but not least, please follow us at Instagram at The Rich Immigrant. And as we go out into the world, I hope that you're encouraged to show up and live fully in whatever country you've chosen to call home. Ciao, bye, or devil. See you next time.